0: Hello everyone and welcome to a special podcast series hosted by the CRISPR Journal and brought to you by Horizon Discovery. I'm Kevin Davis, the executive editor of the CRISPR Journal. In this series we're discussing a range of important topics in the area of CRISPR functional genomics. This podcast is sponsored by Horizon Discovery, the leader in CRISPR functional genomics, offering a large portfolio of CRISPR screening tools, reagents, and cell line generation. Horizon inspired cell solutions. Our guest on this episode is Stanley Chi, Assistant Professor at Stanford University. He runs the Stanford Genetic Engineering and Synthetic Biology Laboratory, and he's also an Associate Editor with the CRISPR Journal. Hello, Stanley, how are you?
1: I'm good, hello, Kevin.
0: Thank you for joining us. Dr. Chi is one of the developers of CRISPR interference and a leader in the uh, world of CRISPR interference and CRISPR activation technologies, using them as switches to activate or repress gene activity. So a very special guest, we're glad to have you. If you could summarize the focus of your lab's research, Stanley, what is the main area of interest of your research?
1: We learn about new technologies that potentially enable genome engineering. Broadly defined, genome engineering not only limited to gene editing, which is modification of the DNA sequence, but also include epigenetic modifications, transcription, how the DNA turns to RNA, and how the different regulatory elements in the genome encode their function. So, for this purpose, we both develop new technologies and also we apply these technologies to investigate in different mammalian systems like stem cells and T cells how this genomics related to the function.
0: Got it. Yeah. How did you first get interested in CRISPR?
1: So I got my PhD at UC Berkeley as a bioengineering student. And when I was a student, I heard a fantastic talk from Jennifer Doudna's lab. And I approached Jennifer later to learn more about the CRISPR biology. And that was the, being a pioneer and leading all these uh, fundamental discoveries there. And from that moment, I started to realize CRISPR can be repurposed as a powerful technology for manipulating the genome. And that's how I got in there. Uh, It was about the year 2029. And after that, I've been starting CRISPR almost 10 years. Great.
0: What uh, We talked about CRISPR interference and CRISPR activation in the introduction. Can you briefly summarize what are these tools? What do they do?
1: CRISPR is a natural bacteria antiviral genetic immune system and is encoded by two elements. One is a cluster of non-coding RAs and second is a cluster of CRISPR-associated proteins. There are many types of CRISPRs, but take examples of type 2 CRISPR as an example, like Cas9, which is very popular and used broadly these days for gene editing. It's an endonuclease, the molecule that use a RA as a guide where base pairing to define its DNA target. And upon binding to a target, it cleaves the DNA target as a scissors. But to me, I've been wondering, besides using this CRISPR system as a pair of scissors, can we use them simply as pointers? So that is one of the really powerful mechanism. So for this reason, our early work in my lab, we developed this DCAS. D stands for DAT with a nucleus dead, And we introduced mutations into the endonuclease domains inside the CAS9 and created this DCAS9. And we later also find this DCAS9 still preserves its function of using an RNA guide to search its genomic target and remain bound to the DNA target when it's finds the target. That actually provides a platform to program different enzymatic functions onto this local area that is bound by the DCAS. For example, when we fuse the DCAS9 on these transcriptional repressor like a Crab domain derived from a human protein, we found this Crab domain can be recruited and suppressed nearby gene transcription. Alternatively, we can also fuse this DCAS to a transactivator domain, for example, the VP64 and VPR, which is probably more efficient. And by doing that, this very targeted activation can happen around the proximal genes. So in short words, the DCAS can be used as a system to recruit different transcriptional or epigenetic functions.
0: And of course, it's also being uh, heavily used in base editing, which is another very exciting application.
1: Oh, definitely. Yes. That's another very powerful enzymatic activity that can be performed to convert single bases.
0: What are some of the advantages of CRISPR activation, would you say, over traditional gain of function expression systems uh, such as cDNAs or open reading frames?
1: I think that there are a the few really interesting features that to the CRISPR-I or CRISPR-A. If you see CRISPR-A, yes, it's a of function. CDNA can also be used to deliver inside cells to express a gene, but there are some difference. First, CDNA usually leads to overexpression, and which has uncontrolled dosage and uncontrolled timing. And also, it's hard to co express many cDNAs all together in the single cell and while still maintain their ratio and their duration. Compared to that, the CRISPR A system is by targeting a DCAS activator locally to an endogenous gene. In this case, we are actually not expressing a uh, exogenous transgene, we are actually inducing the endogenous gene's expression. And that by our work and other people's work, we found different guided RAs binding to different regions inside the promoter or enhancer area can have very interesting dosage control properties. Mm -hmm. Some areas give you very high level expression. Some areas give you moderate to low expression. That allows us to define the dosage. And second is... The, there are multiple inducible CRISPR-A systems being developed with small molecules or other kind of ligand inputs that allow us to both turn on and later turn off the gene. And the third intriguing function is multiplexing. Like CDNA, it's hard to multiplex because the DNA size increases dramatically with multiple genes. But with CRISPR, If you want to target multiple genes, we want to activate three genes rather than one gene. All we need to do is to co-express three small guide RNAs, each guide RNA only smaller around hundred base pairs, and in that way, we can simultaneously control multiple genes.
0: What makes endogenous expression important, Stanley?
1: So, if you think about the program of the cell differentiation, it's a process that different genes are up and down regulated endogenously. We are different transcription factors interacting with uh, regulatory elements. And functional genomics try to understand how this interaction happens and when that happens, and how long do they persist to give cells this really intriguing phenotype. And by controlling the endogenous process, first we can learn how this natural process happens, how the proteins interact with RNAs, interact with DNA, and leading to differentiation or cell cycle or sometimes oncogenesis. This is, will provide unprecedented uh, knowledge about the needing regulation around the genome, ultimately providing one way to modulism and reverse something bad. And the second, why indulgence is interesting, because the genome is not just a collection of simple, let's say 20,000 genes encoding 20,000 proteins. Many genes, they are encoding different isoforms. They express at different time points and also for different dosage and multiple mechanisms to control the expression by enhancers, distal regulation, DNA looping and the chromosome relocation. All these mechanisms precisely control these different genes and different isoforms. By controlling the endogenous genes, we can first control different isoforms by targeting to different regions controlling the different transcriptional star sites. Mm-hmm. And second is we can directly engage the enhancer or promoter activity to investigate different timing. And the third is adult genes actually regulated not only by being there or not. not this simple logic is actually controlled by epigenetic modifications, mm-hmm. vacillation or relation of the DNA, on the histone levels actually together shape the landscape of the gene, by targeting the endogenous genes, we can really probe in this very important layer of information, which to me, the really exciting time question is inheritance, which cannot be started simply using exogenous transgenes. Right.
0: The final question today, uh, Stanley, is how do you expect CRISPR-A and CRISPR-I technology will change the future direction of genetic research? And specifically, how might those tools be used to better understand pathway relationships?
1: So for the genomic research, of course, there's huge efforts to probe the relationship, especially the causal function relationship between sequence and function. But beside those sequence and the function, I want to highlight there is a middle layer which is called a program. The genes interact with each other and they interact with their DNA RNA or protein form to form a very intelligent with feedback, with logic, with a lot of internal controls program. that kind of program can be more useful started by CRISPR I and CRISPR A, and for example, by simultaneously activate a number of genes and also repress a number of other genes to probe how different pathways interact with each other, maybe they have complementation pathways, or maybe they are competitive pathways. And second is CRISPR-IA can scale up to use as quote screens by parallely turn on or turn off many genes, each in different cells in a big mixed pool samples. And that allows us to quickly probe what genes are important for the desired function. And the third, I guess, is really related to the non-coding content of the genome. 98% of the human genome does not encode a protein or encode an RNA. So they are thick controllers. And why there are such high content of controller DNA, which using CRISPR-RNA to mediate the function on-off, we likely can get an answer into some of these elements' functions.
0: Well, thank you very much, Stanley. Uh, You've squeezed a lot of information into a very short space of time. My thanks to Stanley Chi of Stanford University for joining us on this podcast. It's been sponsored by Horizon Discovery. Thank you to them. And thank you to you for your time and for listening. Look out for more episodes in this series coming very soon. For the time being, for everyone at The Christopher Journal, I'm Kevin Davis. Thanks for joining us. Goodbye for now.